Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and relax. And let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for us this week. It's the second full week of June, and it's kind of a mild week. Even though I have this sense that there's more to the week than meets the eye, <laughs> I keep wondering, like, when is the other shoe going to drop? So this morning, as I'm putting together the, the show, I the one of the first things I have to do, of course, is set up the broadcast, which means I have to think, ha, I have to think about what is it that I want to say? What is it that we're going to do? And then I have to create an, uh, a, a thumbnail for the video because it's going onto YouTube and onto Facebook. And that creates, you know, I, I've got to think about now what's the artistry behind everything that I'm doing or saying today. And trust me when I say it was a tough one. I couldn't think of exactly how I wanted to do it. I had this feeling like the shoe is going to drop or the other shoe is going to drop. So I started putting together a graphic with that in it. And yeah, no, that didn't work. I, I wasn't quite that pessimistic about the week. So then I went to, okay, well, what does it look like in a graphic if it's a mild week? Finally, I just defaulted to what is the major thing of the week, and that is Saturn turning retrograde, and that's on Saturday along with the new moon in Gemini. So I went with bland because I couldn't quite distill down what it was that I was feeling about this upcoming week. And I don't know why that is. There's a Neptunian feel to it. And of course, Neptune is, of course, playing pretty strong out there in, in, the, in the cosmos at the moment. Um, but it wasn't quite that either. So then I finally decided it's got to be Pluto sitting at that 29th degree, a karmic degree, karmic degree that sometimes causes us to have to, you know, reevaluate things in our lives or to reevaluate, you know, what it, it is that's happening in our worlds. And so that's always interesting to me too. So we're, we're going to take a look at that as well as today the moon is in Aries. It's a, always a good day when the moon is in Aries, usually, right, gives us this action orientation. So the moon in uh, Aries you know, is sort of that impetus, that push to get out into the world and do something, right, to make a fresh start, if you will, uh, gives us the courage to take action. It's an action sign. It's ruled by Mars. So we have to take action or we have to speak up or speak out. So we may see a bit of that going on as well or feel a bit of that going on. Something really interesting tomorrow, we have a very short void of course moon. And by very short, I mean five minutes long <laughs> where the moon moves into the void uh, just before it changes out of Aries and into the sign of Taurus. And uh, it's kind of funny. I, you know, sometimes we have those longer ones where it's a day or, you know, over the midnight hour and into the next morning. Other times we have, like now, just a five minute void of course moon coming up tomorrow before the moon moves into the sign of Taurus. But today we still have an entire day filled with the Aries potential for action. And this is a time for us to be bold and to be authentic, uh, but also to just be. And maybe that's the other thing that's been in my mind is the being part. I'm always caught up in what should I be doing? Uh, what should I be producing? And then feeling a little bit sometimes like I'm, mm, I'm wanting to be and not have to do, but most of my life is about doing, it seems. So we may feel a little caught up between the two, uh, doing and being, but Aries is definitely sometimes about just the being of yourself. There's a bit of an innocence that comes through the sign of Aries. As the first sign, it's untried and it's untrued, so we don't know yet. And innocence in that respect is more about not being innocent like a child and that kind of innocence, but innocence and then as in you know, we just don't know. We just don't know. But what could be right that it it pushes us to see possibilities, perhaps, as opposed to just what is there's certain amount of directness with the sign of Aries. It's again, Martian ruled. So we have the the energy of Mars of action. 
Um, there's also fight energy here. Um, seems like yesterday, that's all I did was fight. Fight myself, fight trying to get things done. Uh, so Aries energy yesterday was kind of hot and burning. Uh, but it is also a time of assertion where we are here to insert, assert ourselves in the world, right? Being assertive. And watching then also for the opposite of assertion, which is or the the nth degree of assertion, which is aggression. And whether that's you being aggressive or aggression that's being pointed at you, um, aggressive attitudes, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of yap, yap, yapping. I don't know uh, in, in your countries where you are, but there's so much yap, yap, yapping now in our country. And uh, to listen to it could drive you insane. So maybe try to stay away from those, you know, aggressive type of things. Uh, stay away from being harsh toward others right, or taking a harsh stance on things, but also, you know, treat yourself kinder, right, no, no need to turn the harsh uh, lights upon yourself, and create an issue where you're picking a fight with yourself, right, but also don't get drawn into others picking fights with you, so we have the moon in Aries today, and early tomorrow morning, the moon will shift into, well, or I say early, it will be afternoon for those of you on the East Coast. It'll be 11.30 a.m. when the moon will transition into the sign of Taurus and we'll have Taurus for Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, so part of Tuesday, all of Wednesday, part of Thursday, and then the moon moves into Gemini and prepares for its new phase as we get to the end of uh, the Gemini transit. <clears throat> so if we look ahead at the week, we have a week that is pretty empty, you know, from here until Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, we have a couple of little things. The big news, of course, was um, Saturday when Pluto moved into the 29th degree of Capricorn. So I want to, I know we've talked a bit about that, but let's kind of rerun it a little and get an idea of what that 29th degree means. When we're, when we're looking at uh, the zero degrees or the 29th degree of the zodiac, any sign, it doesn't have to be the sign of Capricorn, it can be any sign. It has a karmic feel to it. The zero degrees has the feeling of all is possible, right? And uh, there's nothing yet that's tried and true. There's... Um, it's just all possible potential, right? It's all potential. But the potential issue or karma is in what it is we begin uh, or what it is that we decide we're going to take action on, right? So what are we going to begin? Now at the 29th degree, this is where we've had the entire transit of whatever body, of whatever planet through the entire sign. And we have a sense of completion coming right? Something that is kind of coming to its point, uh, coming to its end, and or ready to, you know, pop out into the world in a new way. So it's a culmination point. It's a karmic point, as in you, you now have to switch into displaying or um, living out the highest of all of the lessons that have been learned in that sign. And this can be whether it's you as a person or it can be the planet. Um, so whatever planet itself is going through, that sign is going to lend its energy to what it is that's coming to the surface and getting ready to uh, jump out. So with Pluto, it's been in Capricorn and moved briefly into Aquarius, giving us sort of a taste test of what's to be. But Pluto in the, uh, in the main is all about transformation and power and regeneration. So there's a lot of uh, representation there of the forces of life and death, uh, or death and rebirth, um, as well as the hidden aspects of ourselves and the world that is coming up to the surface to be revealed. So in the in the last degree of Capricorn, we're dealing with the energies of structure and form, ambition and drive and authority. So it's a critical point in the zodiac when where Pluto challenges us to confront 
all of our fears, all of our limitations, our responsibilities, where have we been responsible, where have we not been responsible, or where we have to take responsibility for the general effects of everything that has been taking place. And we certainly see that in uh, um, politics on, in our country, I'm sure other countries. I noticed the other day, uh, Scotland, it was the, I'm not sure if they're the premier, the president, whatever she was. She had, uh, she was called in uh, by the police, actually arrested kind of thing, uh, called in for questioning of her actions while she was in office as she's no longer in that office. So we're seeing sort of this karmic comeuppance, if you will, in a way that we haven't seen in a while. And that will continue as Pluto is sitting here, kind of stranded, if you will, at that 29th degree, all the way until the end of July. So when we have something standing stationary at a degree for a long time, it puts every day that Pluto is sitting there, it gets more and more crucial. It gets more and more in our faces that something has to change, something has to give. And the degree uh, asks us to examine our relationship with power, both personal power and collective power. And what I'm noticing, a lot of the word authoritarianism, authoritarian, um, is being bandied about in the news. And I can see where that's coming from. Uh, as Pluto in, at the 29th degree brings that back up. Are we going to move into that more authoritarian kind of world where everything is controlled by the powers that be? Or are we going to transition to freedom and uh, live up to the, the, the highest design of what freedom means, of what democracy means? So big right? These are big. And you, 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 I think a part of what I'm feeling um, is the, the strain of it all on all of us, right? I mean, I try not to listen to the news. I, I mean, I never listen to it like where it's here, where I'm having to hear it. I pick and choose what it is that I'm going to read about. But re even reading about it, it's, it's not lost on me, and I'm sure it's not lost on any of you, how powerful the times are that we live in. So the question becomes then, how do we use or abuse our power, both as individuals, but collectively? Um, how do our governments use and abuse power? How do our institutions use and abuse power? And how do we cope with the uncomfortableness about that that's leading to change, right? We, we don't, <laughs> change is the only constant we really have on this planet, but it's very darn uncomfortable for all of us. We don't always like this idea of change. Change for us sometimes is filled with uncertainty and fear, and we, you know, kind of want to push back away from it. So how do we cope with the uncertainty that's being brought up by the times we live in? Uh, how do we cope with the change that's upon us and transform? We have we have a choice, right? The, we never are choiceless in all of this. Um, we choose to live by higher standards and of integrity and of the um, the the values instilled upon us that we've instilled upon ourselves. Uh, in the world, or we live by somebody else's standards, right? We live by somebody else's values. It's a pretty easy choice when it comes right down to it, but it's the taking of the action to live in accordance with those values and with those choices that's hard. So Pluto at 29 degrees Capricorn urges us to purge. There's always the purging, <laughs> the purging, the letting go of the baggage, the upsetting of the, you know, the dumping of the trash um, first with Capricorn, uh, 29 degrees, anything that's no longer serving us, and that might be beliefs, it could be people, it could be relationships, it could be uh, things that are no longer serving us, and having to sort of sweep away what no longer works so that we can embrace what's new, uh, what's, what's possible in the cycle of transformation that we're moving into, or that we've been in, right, there's no mistaking, we've been in this cycle. 
So it's not an easy process that we're going through. It is necessary for our evolution as species on the planet. It's necessary for the evolution of the planet in general, for all the life forms on the planet. And Pluto at this 29 degrees of Capricorn is inviting us to be honest with ourselves, honest with others, to be courageous, to be resilient in the face of all the challenges that we are facing, both individually and collectively. So it feels heavy, right? Pluto is in Saturn's territory here. And he was in Saturn's territory when he went into, Plu when he went into Aquarius as well. But Aquarius Saturn has a different feel from Saturn Capricorn. Um, so that is uh, more of that feeling of there's this weightiness to life at the moment. It feels more, I don't know, just weighty. Just there's weight to it, right? So it it is that invitation for us to each keep taking the positive steps forward. Sometimes we're going to feel pessimistic about what we see. Sometimes we're going to tap into that, that, that ugliness, that pessimism. It's in our faces right now. But there's also optimism. Now, I'm going to deal with optimism here a bit, too, because optimism can sometimes be the cover that we put over the things that we don't want to see, right? If we don't want to see the ugliness of the government, we don't want to see the ugliness of the institution, we don't want to see the ugliness of the changes that need to be made, then we can put this optimistic spin on things. And putting an optimistic spin on things is very possible right now with Jupiter and Taurus. It is a very optimistic placement for the planet of growth and expansion. But, and I'm not saying don't be optimistic. There are lots of reasons for optimism, but just don't let that optimism cause you to feel more like you're putting your head in the sand and not facing the major changes that need to be taking place right now, right? Don't let it cover it all up. I was, uh, I very rarely read anything about the financial markets, but a, um, and an article caught my attention yesterday uh, by this gentleman that is always, he, he makes really valid and good predictions about where the financial markets are going to go. I mean, he has a track record of predicting bull markets and bear markets, and he's been very accurate. If you look at his, you know, course over time, he's been very accurate. And he's calling, you know, what's coming up for at least the next year, what would be a very optimistic bull market. I'm not surprised. Jupiter in Taurus, the sign of the financial markets. But is it a bubble that is going to just as easily burst when Jupiter comes to nest next year on top of Uranus, also in Taurus, right? So again, I want us to be not pessimistic, but not overly optimistic either, right? Balancing what's real and what's valid, what's logical, with what is potentially possible and uplifting and high, you know, high quality, high integrity. We have to balance those two things uh, rather than going off the deep end on either way, uh, on either side, pessimism or optimism. Okay. Now, helping us in all of that right now, anyway, is Mercury yesterday having moved into Gemini. Now, Gemini is a transit that stimulates the mind and enhances communication, right? It's all about the communication and what we're thinking about. And in that comes the possibilities, right? Um, Gemini is also a logic sign. It's a planet or Mercury in Gemini is a planet of logic and reasoning and information. And it's the sign where curiosity takes place, where, where the curiosity, I want to know, drives us forward, right? We're digging, we're uncovering, we want more info. Um, so when Mercury's in Gemini, we're more interested in learning new things, but we're also interested in, you know, exchanging ideas with other people. But exploring different perspectives should also be a part of the experience that we have during this period of time, right? I, I know what my perspective is, right? Because I'm very near and dear to it. But what's your perspective? What's so-and-so's perspective, right? Being able to see the wider lens of perspectives that are driving the things that are going on on the planet. And uh, we may also be more 
playful with our thoughts and our ideas during Mercury in Gemini and sociable during this transit. Although yesterday, uh, I was not very social. I, You guys think I'm probably gregarious and outgoing and all of that, but I'm really very introverted and cautious when it comes to being around other people. And my neighbor yesterday, her daughter graduated from high school on Friday night. And so there was a big graduation party of which we were invited to go to. And I felt myself just like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to be with a bunch of people. I was, you know, wanting to bury my head in the sand, just, you know, do something else besides going to <laughs> the graduation party. So I, I played it halfway, right? I went. And I chatted with uh, the graduate for a bit, and then I left, right? I figured I could do that at least, right? Terry, being far more sociable than me, he flitted around talking to everybody. So he was our, our uh, representation at the party yesterday. But it is a time when we do kind of turn our... Um, uh, attention more to being social or networking and hanging out with other people. Uh, but Mercury and Gemini also on a deeper side is about the communication, right? We, we I already said communication, but about expressing ourselves clearly, creatively, and as well, connecting us with other people to share of our ideas and to share that information, etc. cetera. Um, but this transit can also make us feel more restless. I certainly have felt that um, this morning. I did not know what to sit and talk about. I was just like, just in my head. We can be distracted, losing focus. That energy can get scattered. So we can feel sometimes like we don't know what to focus on. Um, it can get superficial, like mm, I'm just going to do a little bit of everything on the surface, but not really dive in or complete anything. Uh, we may jump from one topic to another uh, without really diving into any kind of depth. Um, but we can also be prone to miscommunication during this period of time, right? If we short circuit the thought process to the mouth of communication without really stopping before we talk, we may be prone to gossiping or sharing information that isn't, you know, completely gone through yet. And we just speak without thinking. Um, we could exaggerate. That's another, you know, more negative Mercury and Gemini. Uh, so we want to also watch how we say what we say, right? We don't want to just say the first things that come to our minds. So it's a good time to engage in new activities. It's a good time to, you know, break into or expand your horizons, as it were, to more networks of people. Uh, I even had this thought of maybe, you know, maybe I would, I have this thought, a lot lately. Maybe I'll go back to Facebook and, and start doing more than just plotting my business stuff out there. Uh, who knows? But we can also benefit more from reading and writing, journaling, speaking, teaching and learning um, and traveling. Gemini is the short travels, like lots of you know places to go, lots of things to do. Um, and we can use this transit of Mercury and Gemini to explore our curiosity, uh, expanding our horizons into things that make us excited to think about, right? Um, but we should be careful not to spread our ourselves too thin or that feeling of scatteredness can come up, right? Where we lose sight of the bigger picture of what we were doing and we get lost in the minutiae. <laughs> we get lost in all the little details. So we'll want to watch that during this transit. Uh, and by the end of the month, let's see, Mercury moves into Cancer on the 26th of June. So it's a few weeks of this energy before things get a little bit more grounded, a little more settled uh, with our minds. So there's that. So let me say good morning to people who are popping in here. Good morning, Julie and Amanda J. It's good to have you both there. Christine, hello. Kajella, nice to see you. Asa, twice I've seen you this week. That's awesome. And Julie says, as long as uh, we keep taking out the trash, as you're saying, right, she's referring to the Pluto at 29th degree of Capricorn, we have to keep taking out the trash. But we also have to keep asking questions of ourselves, like, why do we believe what we believe? right? Um, 
why do we follow certain people? Why do we misplace our loyalties? Why, 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 right? There's a lot of questionings here uh, along with this energy. And Asa says, uh, can Venus help with that balance too? Yes, right? That's a whole nother study we could look at because Venus for the long term is in Leo, a sign very much akin to Gemini energy, where we have a lot of, of ability to express ourselves creatively and harmoniously and with beauty, sort of, you know, keeping things on the, the beautiful side, as long as, again, we're not hiding our heads in the sand because Venus is also going to retrograde this summer. And when she retrogrades, anything that we've been hiding from ourselves, any, it's going to pop back up in our face, right? It's going to be like, woo, this is where you've been kidding yourself. Uh, this is where you've been undervaluing yourself. Or this is where you've been valuing the wrong things, the wrong people, the wrong project. It's going to be an interesting summer this way, right? Londa, good morning to you. She says, I was thinking about you yesterday. Good morning, Joan Durchy. Good morning to everyone that I don't see here that is commenting. It is good to have you all with us. And Londa, you were probably feeling me yesterday because yesterday was a tough day. And I, I didn't realize really why it, it just seemed like yesterday everything was like pulling teeth everything I wanted to do um I couldn't get it done it seemed like which means I was probably acting on the wrong things but because I'm so gosh darn stubborn once I start something I want to finish it I really don't want to have to just let it hang there and come back to it on another day so I was trying to push through all these different things and then I got mad and then um it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, my friend Terry Strauss, uh, the lady that I've had on my show here as a psychic medium, she called me and asked me to help her with a favor um, on StreamYard. She needed to, to check out her background and make sure it was all working right. And so I decided to help her, but she's also a medium. And so what do you suppose happened? So we're talking and all of a sudden, Brian comes through her. <laughs> she's like, she, she she stops like this is how you know when a medium is working or listening to something else because she just kind of we're talking about something and then she just stops so i thought the, the i thought the video froze but the video it wasn't frozen it was just her and she's like i have this headache on this on this right side of my head and she said i think somebody's trying to tell me something so she she stops again and brian sends her this message and she's like i'm not sure i want to say this and I said, nope, go ahead and say it because I, I'm ready to hear it. And she said, this is what he's saying. I effing love you, mom. Only the whole of the word that I don't want to say here because I don't want to get sanctioned by YouTube or Facebook. Uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Terry. He used to say that to me all the time. He would just say, I effing love you, mom, with just this like exuberance and this outward emotion. So I knew it was Brian coming through, which of course was emotional, uh, but it was there and it was a message. And then she said, uh, there's something about your birthday and that he's trying to tell me. And I, I said, I know what it is. Uh, it was on my birthday that was the last time I'd seen him before he died. And uh, I said, my birthday's coming up. So, of course, it's uppermost in my mind. And she said, ah, then that makes sense. And there was one other thing that she said. Oh, 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 oh. So then we go on. We're talking about whatever else. Right. And then she says she stops and she says, who is the person or maybe the animal on the other side whose first name starts with a D? And I went, oh, God, I'm thinking of people first. I couldn't think of any D people that had passed away in my life. Uh, but then all of a sudden she goes, remember, I also said animal. And I said, oh, my gosh, Doodles. Doodles was one of our favorite dogs of all times. And she said, ah, now I see why that's linked with Brian. Brian coming through with Doodles, our dog. Ah, it was amazing. It was just an amazing afternoon that way uh, because I didn't expect it, right? I'm helping her do something. I didn't expect her to come back with messages, but apparently our loved ones, when they decide to come through, are coming through and maybe that's what I was feeling. So I, I leave the bedroom after I'm done talking to her and I'm, I'm telling Terry about this experience and I walk outdoors and he goes, oh my God, Janet, all of the emergency lights in the house went on, which 
the day after Brian died, that happened, right? All the lights in our house, the emergency lights that only come on when the power goes out and the power wasn't out, um, came on. And he, he was floored. I was floored. It was just kind of an amazing afternoon that uh, my son is around. It's, it's why I, I, I love sharing what I do about Brian's death, even though that sounds kind of morbid-ish, sort of, but because it's so validating that there's so much more to what's going on on this planet than what we see. Like, I don't see him here, but in every sense of the word, he's here. I'm getting chills right now, even saying that. So I know he's here. And it gives me sort of a, a feeling of faith that, you know, as crappy as the world can be sometimes, and as crappy as we think of death as being, that it really is a passage to maybe where our true selves lie. So anyway, I thank you for indulging me to share that with you. But it was, a, yes, you're right. Treat yourself. It was a beautiful blessing. And uh, yeah even if it's emotional, right? It was emotional. Uh, it was a blessing. And I really appreciated the, those messages, that validation. That's what I love, the validation that he may be out of my physical realm. I don't see him with my eyes. I don't hear him with my ears. Well, I, I hear him. I sense him. I see him, but in with different eyes, with the spiritual eyes. So anyway, all right. Uh, so Asa said, yes, I knew it was June 11th. I felt Brian too. Yeah, he died on 7-11. So every 11th is off, often, you know, in our minds. And um, what do you say, right? It's there. Uh, okay, so now let's take a look at what's coming later in the week. So we talked about Pluto at 29 degrees. That's kind of setting for what is going on in the deeper background, if you will, of the astrology. We talked about Mercury moving into Gemini. We talked about the Aries moon. But there are other big things happening toward the end of the week that are important for us to take a look at. And I'm going to bring those up today because on Friday, I will have Pia and Colin with me from the Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology. And sometimes we get onto topics and I don't get to really talk much about the astrology. So we'll look at those things today. Uh, and if I can bring up more about it on Friday, I will certainly do that. But the biggest thing I think that's coming up is the new moon and Saturn turning retrograde. And really, Saturn turns retrograde. And then we have the new moon on Saturday. Uh, let's see, I'm going to check the time. Uh, you know, I'm having trouble with my eyes this morning. It is crazy. Allergy season is just annoyingly annoying. So really, it's on Sunday, June 18th for uh, those of you on the in the East Coast uh, and further east. Uh, but for me and uh, for uh, Mountain Time, Central Time, for us, it's all on the 17th on Saturday. Now, let's look at Saturn retrograde first. Since he first, he goes retrograde first. What does Saturn retrograde mean? So remember, any planet that goes retrograde brings us backwards, right? It takes us to reevaluating of the time gone by that he was, that the planet had been in forward motion. It gives us an opportunity to slow down and reevaluate perhaps the things that have to do with that planet. Um, it is an opportunity for us to pick up on things that we didn't quite finish, maybe, uh, and to bring them to completion. And Saturn is turning retrograde in Pisces, which means that it's a period of time for us for more spiritual growth because it's inward facing now, right? Or he will be inward facing. So spiritual growth, but also because of the creative energy of Pisces and its ruler, Neptune, and Jupiter is also one of the co-rulers here, there's a the sense of you know, Saturn turning retrograde to give us more inward focus to be able to express ourselves. Um, and, you know, Saturn is very um, different in Pisces than he is in the signs he's previously been in, right? Different than when he was in Aquarius, different when he was in Capricorn. He was strengthened in those two signs because those were signs of his rulership. In Pisces, he's not so comfortable, right? Form and structure of Saturn meets the unformed, unstructured, the boundarylessness of Piscean energy. So he's not real happy here. But he's also willing here to move into 
um, our dreams to re for to help us revisit our dreams and our goals, our ideals, right? The ideals versus the typical where he is is the real, right? He wants the real down to earth kind of thing, but he's going to be allowing us this time period to kind of get onto the ideal bus and to find ways to manifest those dreams and ideals in the real world. Sorry, I have to move my camera. This morning, my high def camera wouldn't work. And I keep finding myself looking at that camera versus the one on my laptop, which is the one that's <laughs> I need to be looking at. So I'm moving it out of my way. So no, no distraction there. So this gives us this rare opportunity then. The, the, he's actually going to be retrograde from June 17th until November 4th. So for the rest of the summer or all of our summer, all of the winter, for those of you down under, and uh, all the way into fall, early fall, the, the 4th of November. And he'll make it back to the zero degrees of Pisces, but he doesn't get back into Aquarius. So he's, he's caught in these seven degrees that he's already been through. So giving us that uh, ability to maybe be more creatively self-expressive. But it's also a time that where we're being challenged to balance uh, our intuition and imagination, all of the unseen realm with the seen realm, right? With the logic and with reason, uh, discipline, right? And doingness. Um, and it also helps us to connect with others who share our vision, our like-minded folks, right? Helping us to realign ourselves with the people who um, are correct for us and not uh, people who are whose visions are different than us. It's not that we shouldn't embrace, you know, the the, the plurality of visions and, and things out there, but it, it is distinctly a time for us to join together with the people that are like-minded, right? That's, it's the times, right? Now, uh, that, that the, with the people that share our vision, with the people that share our values, right? Um, Saturn retrograde in Pisces, though, can also bring delays and obstacles to the process of our creative expression, uh, but also rewards and blessings. Saturn is never going to just be straight up, you know, punishing, he can also bring uh, rewards and blessings, but we're, we're having to be willing to work hard, or at least work and take action toward um, and have faith in ourselves and a un the universe, a benevolent universe, in order to uh, create the things that we really desire. So that's going to be up in our faces for, uh, what is that, June to July, August, September, October, four months, four full months, and a few couple of weeks. So, whew, right? And that's the opening salvo of our new moon on Saturday, Sunday, for those of you who are in the Sunday time zone. And the Gemini new moon is a time for us to embrace new possibilities, but also to explore new horizons to spread outward, right, into uh, new territory. And it's a time to connect with both our inner vision and our inner curiosity and wonder and awe, as well as connecting to and sharing that vision with others, right? It's the sign of communication. So of course, communication is big. Travel is big. Movement, right? From sharing with different groups is big. Learning is big. Teaching is big. These are all the things that, that Gemini energy is really about. So it would be an excellent new moon for us to have the opportunity to expand ourselves outward into new networks of people, new listeners if you're broadcasting, new readers if you're writing, uh, new customers if you're, uh, you know, in a business that needs customers. So all that's new, expanding your networks, right? Expanding your reach, if you will. Now, whether you want to start a new project or take a new course or plan a new adventure, uh, the Gemini New Moon can really help us manifest that intention uh, with ease and grace. It's an action-oriented sign. It's air. It moves, right? It moves in all directions, right? Sometimes fast, sometimes not so fast, but air moves. So it's moving us to be out, moving outward. But we also have the Gemini Achilles heel, which is the losing focus or scattering our, uh, of our energy, 
Uh, it's difficult sometimes to keep a mindfulness about us when the uh, new moon is in Gemini. The sun is in Gemini. The new moon is in Gemini. Mercury's in Gemini. Lots of Gemini energy right now uh, that can create confusion in, in what do I do next? And when we look at the new moon in its actuality, there's a square from the new moon. Remember, a new moon means that the sun and the moon are in a conjunction right? That astrological speak, right? They're in a conjunction. And it's that conjunction that forms the potential for all that's new to be expressed. But whatever that those two planets in conjunction make aspects to um, can create either a path of ease and flow, or in this case with Neptune, a little bit of confusion, um, deception, uh, maybe not, no, uh, disclarity, is that a word? Unclarity. Uh, so it really would behoove us all to very much use our intuition going into this new moon, um, trusting our intuition, as it were, uh, and avoiding making assumptions uh, about what it is we think we have to do, uh, avoiding committing our energy to the wrong things, to anything that we're not sure about. So with Neptune in the mix with the new moon, taking that next new step needs to be done with a little bit of caution, a little bit with eyes wide open, right? Not closing them down, not burying your head in the sand, but being very clear uh, about what it is. So the new moon is always an invitation to, to manifest something new. Um, maybe what we need to do with this as a, it's a sign of of, uh, it's a mutable sign, Gemini is, so it may be being more flexible, uh, being more versatile and adaptable in your life. Um, maybe lightening the mood, right? Of so Gemini tends to be witty and funny. Uh, if you've ever listened to Tom out here, where is Tom? Tom, 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 I haven't seen you out here. Um, he always injects humor into it. So we have this opportunity now with the new moon to, you know, see things in a more humorous quality, have more fun, uh, playfulness. Uh, we can't go wrong if we if we do that with Mars and Venus, both also in Leo, a sign of fun and play. Uh, so lighten up your life, live it in the highest um, of, of fun and curiosity. Now, the square to Neptune isn't the only aspect involved with the new moon this time. It is also in an opposition to the galactic center. And so the galactic center is just the center of our Milky Way galaxy, right? It's sort of the, the middle spot through which all of the, the cosmos that we can see, that we consider the Milky Way, uh, rotates around. And from that galactic center, which we believe is a black hole, emits a lot of highly charged particles, cosmic rays, gamma rays, neutrinos, uh, and I'm sure a whole host of other things that, you know, I don't even have names to put to them. And all of those highly charged particles have a tendency to um, cause mutation, right, to cause change, to evolve, right? That's what their purpose is. So when we are aligned with the galactic center, we may be aligned with things that are new, pulses of new energy that are coming into us, um, maybe new ideas that we've not tried before or things that, you know, take us into uh, a different uh, mindset, right? So be very open to this. I, I love this idea of the galactic centers being opposite of, of uh the new moon, because it says the potential has no limits, right? There's no cap, if you will, on what could be. So it's hopeful and it's expansive, um, but it's also a little bit daunting at times because I think what happens when we get aligned with the galactic center is so much is streaming in that it can short circuit our minds. So we have to go from our mind into our spirit or into our intuition to really know what it is that we are meant to be taking action on. So not a bad thing. Just be be aware that you might be prompted with a lot of different things, a lot of different ideas. Uh, and what do you do? You can't take action on all of them, right? You have to know 
which ones are meant for you, which ones to just let slide through you. And this is where I find human design becomes very, very helpful, right? Because your human design gives you a strategy and an authority that helps you make the best decisions for you, right? If you're a generator type, you're waiting to respond to opportunities that show up in your outer world, not just ideas. An idea is just the beginning. An idea says, hmm, this sounds interesting, but now I'm going to wait and see if there's something in the outer world that shows up for me to respond to. I'm not going to take action from inside. I'm going to wait until there's the matching picture outside. For projectors, you're waiting for life to invite you in. And that can be, all. it takes place also likely in the physical world, but there is a little more of uh, leeway in terms of idea generation here because it can be the idea that becomes the invitation it's not so concrete as it is for the generators the manifesting generators also need to make sure they're ready to inform the people that will be affected or impacted by their their decisions so if you're changing something you get this new idea generated by the galactic center and you're going to take action on it you got to make sure that if anybody's going to be impacted by those decisions that you let them know first right you don't want them putting resistance and blocks in your path same true for manifestors who are pure creative beings really ideas can come right straight into creation if you're a manifester. Again, the only limitation there for you is the idea that you have to inform people. Um, you have to use your free will, you have to use your creativity, but you make sure you inform anybody that's going to be impacted again by your decisions. Reflectors, you got to slow things down a little bit and you're going to have to be a little more open to um, waiting right waiting the cycle of the moon is very informative for you in terms of what is true and what is correct and what's the next action step for you to take hmm. right so that gives you a little bit of idea and then besides that you also have authority which might be emotional in which it's slowed down right decision making is slower because you've got to get a read on how you feel what feels good to you you might have a sacral um, authority, which is very spontaneous, your body reacting in the moment to something, responding, right, in response. That idea outside of you, if you have sacral authority, is going to tell you, uh-huh, yes, let's go that way, or uh-uh, no, that's not the right time. It's not the right project, not the right people. If you have splenic authority, the spleen is the center for intuition and time, and time is in the now. So in the moment that you are responding or that there's an idea, you have an intuitive hit. This is yes or this is no or this is all systems go or not. You have to have trust in your intuition because it doesn't come back and nag at you. <laughs> so it says, hey, take that opportunity. You either do it or you don't. It doesn't come back and say, you should have taken that opportunity. But later you may go, oh, wait, I should have done, I should have turned left instead of right, right? So we got to be careful with all of that. So now Pam asks a great question. She says, do we connect to the galactic center annually, just like any planet? Yes, annually. So right around the summer solstice, just before the summer solstice, the, um, the sun aligns in an opposition to the galactic center. The galactic center actually right now is sitting at <laughs> a 20 or 27 degrees, 11 minutes of Sagittarius. So whenever a planet passes by 27 degrees, 11 minutes of Sagittarius, it is impacting this or the galactic center is impacting it, right? But also there's oppositions to the galactic center. So whenever anything is going around 27 degrees, 11 minutes of Gemini, there's the opposition that's being formed. And there's squares, there's sextiles, etc. So yes, the planets all make transits to the galactic center. Um, and in galactic astrology, the galactic center is, uh, it, when it shows up in, somebody's galactic astrology, it, it has the feeling of a crossroads to it, where a lot of beings from a lot of different planetary systems, not just the Milky Way, but, you know, it, it tends to be a sort of big doorway, a meeting place, if you will, um, for like a hub, right? When we think of, uh, what's that airport? 
like a Denver or a, a Atlanta being the hub for certain um, airlines, right? They all meet there. And from there, they go out into lots of different directions. So the galactic center in galactic astrology is very much that hub. So people and beings from all different universes kind of can come through the galactic center and from there head out in many different directions, right? So like if I go to my little Bellingham airport here, I can't get to a lot of places. I can get to Vegas very quickly, very easily. I can get to San Jose, I think it is, very quickly and very easily. But I can't get to, say, uh, Miami. I can't get there from here. I have to go to a hub, right, a hub airport, which might be Seattle, could be, you know, Denver, could be any other place where there's a hub where planes are going out in all directions. So, too, with the Galactic Center, it is a hub of beings going out in all kinds of directions. Because it is such a source of energy and because it is a source of possibilities, uh, it draws in people as well as pushes things and energy and people and beings outward. All right. hope all that makes sense. But it is a very highly energetic part of of our of our astrology when we look at it all right <sighs> let's see this new moon we were talking about the new moon is also in a sextile to the goddess Eris. so there's some disruption as a part of this new moon um you know i i want to look at at Eris in a higher uh, a better light, right? She, I think a lot of times when you listen to astrologers talk about Eris, you know, she's discordant, she's bitchy, she's, you know, a malcontent, she's, uh, you know, a lot of anger and stuff built up, revengeful. Uh, but I don't think that's true, right? I think that's part of the story. But I don't think it's the whole story of Eris. And, you know, in a way, she's also a spiritual warrior goddess, right? She, um, she sort of has the, she was first of all called Xena, right? Before they settled on the name of Eris, she was Xena. And Xena from, you know, the TV show back in the 80s uh, was a warrior princess, right? She, she had this very royal feel, but she was, she was not tolerant of, of, the things like, you know, people being downtrodden or uh, she was always fighting for something, fighting for right. So there's, you know, a, a feeling here that Eris and Mars are connected. She might be more like the feminine Mars, if we looked at it that way, where Mars energy is acting from aggression or assertion or a feeling of, you know, masculinity, masculine production oriented. The feminine heiress is is more about aligning to what's right, to um, to to sort of creating tolerance where there's bringing tolerance to where there's intolerance, bringing exception or accepting to where there's been unacceptance. So she has she she does have that that warrior feel to her, but she's sort of the warrior with a purpose, <laughs> right? Not just, I want all your resources, so I'm going to go, you know, steal all your oil fields. Nope, that's not quite what she's doing. She's more um, exposing where things are corrupted, where things aren't right, where we're not living in accordance with our stated values. Uh, and she will bring it to your attention even in disruptive ways, if that's necessary. So in this case, with the new moon and a positive expression of Eris from 25 degrees of Aries, which is a sign of starting things new, we've already talked about this today, she might be, you know, exposing you to and closing, helping you to close down what the things are that you don't need to be playing in, while simultaneously helping you align with what it is that is left over that is the right thing for you to be taking action on or for you to be engaging in. So hopefully all that makes sense. So Eris in here, she's kind of the, the crapshoot, if you will, the, um, in, in, the, in the new moon, the unexpected piece. Um, but we also you know, need to look at uh, where the sun and the moon are from our human design aspect. Uh, the sun and the moon will be at the gate 12, I believe it is that day. 
June 14th. Yep. So they will be at the gate 12, which is a gate of channeling. And now I get why that gate is so important in channeling because it is the gate that sits directly across from the galactic center, right? That's the, the, the sun at the gate 12 channels from super consciousness. So we have the sun and the moon linked, bringing in this lovely light, this highly charged particle potential for us to move in new directions, for us to, to really carry the mantle of our authority and our authenticity. I love that. But then we also have the earth in all of this, right? At a new moon, the sun and earth are in an opposition, right? So the sun and the moon in a conjunction are opposing the earth and the earth is at the gate 11. The gate 11 is called light, light. And in the shadow energy of the gate 11 is darkness or obscurity. We can't see, right? We can't see. And this is where I've shared with this before, shared with all of you before, where Richard Rudd is very clear here about what light is. If even there's a pinpoint, like I see this little pinpoint of light on my laptop right now, that if I'm looking at that light and I'm focusing on the light, it gets bigger, right? This light happens to be taking my voice and my face and broadcasting it outward to the world. Uh, but that's what the light does. When you focus on the light, it broadcasts it. It gets bigger. It magnifies. It amplifies and then broadcasts outward into the world. Now, this is also called the gate of ideas in human design. The gate of ideas. And so we may be flooded during this new moon with ideas. Everything is possible. Remember, Mercury's in, Germ in Gemini, the sun and, and moon are both in Gemini that day. We might be flooded with these ideas. So how do I choose what it is that I'm going to do? And that's, again, where your human design type and strategy and authority are so important. Knowing yourself, knowing what's correct for you, knowing what's not correct for you is going to help you make the right decisions about which ideas that you're actually going to take action on. Because it's impossible to take action on everything. Sometimes those ideas that are flooding in are ideas for you to give away to other people. To say, hey, I had this brilliant idea that isn't for me, might be for you, right? Let me share it. So that's coming up as well for us with the new moon. Uh, and I think we did share this, Tam and I shared this uh, when we were going over the energy of uh, June, is that this Sabian symbol for the new moon is an interesting one. It's a gypsy emerging from the forest wherein her tribe is encamped. And uh, Dane Rudyard in his book, The Astrological Mandala, seems to feel like this is a transition state that we're reaching um, be before it's the crossroads feeling of reaching for higher consciousness, uh, elevating ourselves. So it, it has the feel of, of our having to come into a new balance. He uses the keyword repolarization, um, but it's, it is really more like a, a rebalancing of ourselves as human beings, perhaps with taking into context our higher spiritual selves, right? All of that can be a part of this moon. Okay. Questions? How's everybody doing out there? No other comments, so I don't think anybody has questions. Let's do a quick card reading for uh, what's ahead. And I'm going to look for a specific deck here, so don't mind me not looking at you for a moment. Oh, whoa! All right, so my coffee out of the way so I don't spill it. So I'm using the deck uh, of the Star Seed Oracle, which is one of my favorite decks that I haven't used in a while. It's so interesting because this is the bottom of the box, the Star Seed Oracle, and here's the top, right? So it fits together like so, if you do it the correct way, right? This is a deck by Rebecca Campbell and the artwork by Danielle Noel and the Starseed Oracle. So let's get one of these cards for us. We haven't read these ones in a while. And this will be for us all as a collective. Ooh, this card flew out. The Cosmic Heart. 
devotion potency make your life a morning a moving excuse me prayer here's the card can you see that beautiful beautiful an angel it looks like those are wings i presume wings of the cosmos and it says the cosmic heart and let's see what this might mean for us is there a number on this no let's go to the cosmic heart hmm. Okay, here we go. Uh, when you surrender to a state of devotion, you find yourself flowing with all of life. You're being called to refocus your attention deep within to the intelligence of your own heart. Woo! To bow with deep reverence to your inner temple, to live your life in devotion to this place, to make your life one big moving prayer. Perhaps you felt a bit off kilter lately. That's an understatement. Sensing that the potency of why you're doing things has gotten a little watered down or weak. Perhaps you've forgotten what made you start doing them in the first place. If so, this is your call to take a moment and reconnect with the truth at the very center of your heart. To get back to the essence of what you're about. To devote your life to what you care most about. To turn your gaze deep, 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 deep. There are reasons, there are seasons for harvesting and seasons for sowing. Right now you're being called to plant your soul's seeds and sing to them with deep devotion, to feed them with the sweet waters of your own soul, to lose yourself in the potency of what is that most expands your heart, to live your life according to what makes you come alive rather than what everyone else thinks, to make your life one big moving prayer. And here's your starseed soul inquiry. It's why I like this deck. There's always a question or something, an action that's being requested. And it says, how can you make your life a moving prayer? How can you make your life a moving prayer? Uh, the cosmic heart from the starseed oracle. All right. And then I was also called to pull the wisdom of the oracle, a deck by Colette Baron reed one of our tried and true decks. And let's pull a card here for also the week ahead and the new moon. Or maybe this one will give us wisdom about Saturn in retrograde. Whoa. And I get poised upside down, too. So there's a protection message here. It's card number 48, which is a 12, which is a 3. And it says poised, poised. So let's see here what that says. Okay, and it, again, it was in protection, so upside down cards in uh, Colette's decks uh, often have a more internalized meaning. And this one says, the essential meaning of the card is being ready, bringing something to light, being at your best, and being confident. And it says, you're not ready to move forward at this time, and that has to be okay. Be poised in the face of demands and deadlines. Pretending you know what you're doing works sometimes, but if you adopt a fake it till you make it attitude, it will land you in some muck now. This is not the time to wing it and deliver something half finished. It's okay to postpone things until you are really ready. It's better to disappoint others now than to wish you had later. Woohoohoo! <laughs> I think that tells us to be very clear that we're acting on the right things for us and not on the wrong things. So poised. All right, that's it. A uh, quick reminder, this evening I will be on Angel Heart Radio with Anaya, Joy Holili, and uh, Carol Cross. And our conversation today takes us into the summer solstice, winter solstice. They're both there in, in uh, Australia, so we'll be talking about the solstice in terms of winter uh, for them and summer for us up here. Uh, but a chart drawn up for the time that the solstice occurs gives us an inkling as to what the energies might be for the next three months of that season. So I will be sharing that with her tonight at 5.30 p.m. East or 5.30 p.m. West Coast time, uh, 8.30 East Coast time, on the Angel Heart Radio Facebook page. You just go to the page. When the broadcast starts, it's right there. All right. That's it for me today. See you all on Friday.
or see you on Thursday for the Astro Design Meetup. Uh, I sent that email out to everyone on Saturday. Make sure you register if you want to come to that so I know you're there and it gives you an opportunity to also clue me in as to what questions you might have. So check your email for that. And that's it now. See you Friday. Bye. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.